You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song on our study on the Gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. I guess I almost finished it up. Now, on the first, on the first day, uh, first day of the un- unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, uh, "Where will you have us? Pre- where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover?" And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, uh, the teacher says, my time is at hand and I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus has dire- had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Hold on. I forgot to pray. Can I pray for a sec? Can I pray? Can everyone nod if that's all right? Okay, thanks. Let me pray for us and then we'll, and then we'll begin. Uh, Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you that God, you use people, broken people to, to bring your love and your blessing into this world. And I pray even as we uh, had, a, had a moment to pray for one another, I pray that your Holy Spirit was, uh, was present among us. Thank you for using us to encourage each other. Now I pray that you use your word to, to encourage us, to teach us, to show us uh, more of who you are. So Holy Spirit, will you take over? Right now, give us ears to hear that we may hear uh, what you want to say to your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go back to where we were. Yes, here we are. Actually, let's. can we read a couple of verses before this? If you actually have your Bible with you, uh, let's jump to a couple, of ver- uh, like two verses before. Uh, so we get a little bit of like what's going on. So we just had what well, we just read about the woman who... Uh, gave, who poured out a very expensive ointment over Jesus, preparing him for his burial, for his death, right? And then the disciples got very angry. It was actually the disciple that got really angry was Judas, but Matthew doesn't tell you that it was him. And, uh, and he gets really mad about it. He's like, why this huge waste? And then let's just start picking, let's read it starting at verse 14. Then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. So we went over that last week. I just wanted to connect that with this week. Verse 17. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare, uh, will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And Jesus said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very, very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man, um, the son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who would betray him, answered, uh, is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, you have said so. All right. Uh, Let's go back up to the top, verse 17. 
So here's what's going on. It's the first, uh, it says, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, will you have us prepare the Passover, right? Now, if you guys know anything about the Jewish culture or about, I mean, uh, I guess just Bible culture, um, the Passover is an eight day uh, festive, uh, feast. It starts, the first day starts with Passover. The Passover is the day that where the, the Jews remember, it's like a memorial day, where they remember when the, 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 the final plague of the 10 plagues that set them free from Egypt. And the final plague was where God passed over Egypt and killed all of the firstborn in the land, except all who had their doors marked of their houses with the blood of a, of a sacrificed lamb. And, and even though, and through that terrible plague of death, God freed the children of Israel from the grip of Pharaoh. Now, the very next day after that, the, the people of Israel were set free and they, they were too quickly to depart in haste. And so that they were in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare bread with leaven to rise up. So they just had to grab unleavened bread to sustain them for their quick, you know, flight from Egypt. So that's what this is. That's what's happening right now. So the Passover meal, they're supposed to eat it, remembering that night when God passed over Egypt and set them free through the death of the firstborn of Egypt, right? And then for the next seven days, they're supposed to have a feast of unleavened bread to remind them of their, how they were freed and they ran away from the land of slavery towards the promised land. And so every single year, God told him in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. And you shall keep it as a feast. So that's what's going on right now. They're preparing to have the Passover and then they're going to have the feast of unleavened bread. And so God uh, commanded them to remember to remember this whole story. So like you have to remember the whole story of what this holiday means for them is redemption from slavery, becoming a brand new nation, becoming a, a new beginning for them. In fact, Passover is the first day of the Jewish new year. Do you guys know that? So when that, when they, when the Passover happened, God said, this is the beginning of a new year for you. And so for them, like everything started afresh at Passover. When, when the old life of slavery ended and the new life of freedom as, God people, as God's people began. So like Passover and unleavened bread is like their New Year's and, and Easter and Christmas all like rolled together into like one really important holiday, right? And so that's what, that's what they're doing right now. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Passover. And so uh, verse 20. When they were, uh, when it was evening, they were reclining at the table with the 12. And as they're eating, he said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. So they're having this feast about freedom and, and you know, about, about, about remembering what God has done for them. And then Jesus says this while they're eating. He says, one of you are going to betray me. Now, this is, this is like a stunning, like really think about it. Let, let's think about who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is talking to the 12 apostles. These are his hand-picked out of all the disciples. He picked these 12, right, to be his closest followers, to go with him everywhere he goes. The ones that he eats with, the ones that he, you know, they sleep in the same places. They go, these are his closest 12 of everyone in the world. 
These were his brothers. And he said, one of them are going to betray me. Man, just even that itself is, is crazy to think about. What that means is someone can be as close to Jesus as one of the 12 disciples. Like these 12 guys, they follow Jesus. They heard every single one of his teachings. They experienced all of his miracles. Like think of all the miracles that Jesus did in all the gospels combined. Imagine seeing every single one of them, like walking on water, feeding the 5,000, raising the dead, like healing like hundreds of people. Imagine seeing every single one of those miracles, right? And then after you see all the miracles that Jesus has done, he tells you to go and do the same thing. And then guess what? You go out and you start preaching. You start doing miracles. You start, you know, casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And it works. That, those are the 12 di- disciples. They experience more of Jesus than anyone who has ever lived. Right. And he's saying that one of them, even after experiencing all those things in the end, still betrays him. That is crazy to think about. That is so humbling for any of us who are like, oh yeah, I would never betray God. I'm like, are you serious? Like, do you think like you've experienced more of God than any of these 12 disciples? And then in verse 22, he said, and they were very sorrowful and they began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? Guys, this is a call for every single one of us to examine our own hearts as well. A call to caution. Because look at what the, what the disciples do. You know, like they instead, like when Jesus says, one of you are, gonna, are going to betray me. Like they don't start accusing one another. They're not like, oh, you know what? Maybe that Thaddeus, he might, it might be him, but not me. You're right. No, no. Instead of doing that, instead of pointing fingers like, oh, maybe that Judas, he's always, you know, he looks a little, you know, like they don't say that. What they say is, is it I, Lord? They actually turn and look to themselves and they're like, is it like, could I be the one that falls away? You know, because it's, you know what? It's possible. You can argue, like, I don't know where you guys are in your theological like views. You can argue that um, if you fall away from God, you were never saved in the first place. You know, there's some people from that theological view. And then there's some people who think like you can be saved, but then you re- we can reject Jesus after you were saved and then reject your salvation and become unsaved. I, 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 I honestly, like, it doesn't matter how you look at it. it the result at the end is the same right? Whether you think it's like predetermined or whether you think you have the will to change your mind and be unsaved. At the the end, it's the same. What this is showing us is that people who genuinely look like and feel like followers of Jesus can still end up betraying Jesus at the end, right? Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. It says, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to be uh, to restore them again to repentance since that they are crucifying once again, the son of God to the, to their own harm, holding him up for contempt. They're saying, so what Hebrews is saying is, If you have experienced all of these things, all of these, even the gifts of God, you've experienced like the power of God and and the things of God, you can still experience those things 
and fall away from God. Like, that's crazy to think about. It's possible for someone to have experienced the things of God and to still not have a relationship with God. Did you, did you realize that? You can even have God, you can even receive the gifts of God and still reject the giver. Right? Like the like Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. All these people came up to Jesus saying, like, oh, did we not do all these things for you? We did miracles for you. And then Jesus says, I don't know you at the end. Right? First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. This is what Paul says. Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that ever uh, lived in history. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself, that I myself should be disqualified. Paul is worried that in the end, right, that he himself might be disqualified from the race. Like after all, like if you know anything about Apostle Paul, he literally saw Jesus from heaven. He had a vision. That's how he got converted. And then he, he did so many miracles, healed so many people. He preached and converted and, and started so many churches. And after all of that, Paul is still concerned that he might, that he has to keep, he has, he's worried that like he has to examine, he has to keep himself disciplined. He has to fight to not be himself, be disqualified after doing all of those amazing things for the kingdom of God. What that's saying is you can do a lot of things for God. You can experience lots of things of God. And at the end, you don't know, like at the end, you still might end up walking away from him, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Paul says to examine yourselves. He's talking to other believers. He's telling them to other church members, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Question mark. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test, right? He's talking to Christians. Guys, we need to check our hearts. It doesn't matter how much, you know, what you say, what you sing how close you think you are to, to him, right? How much you know, like we have to ask and, and, and search our hearts. We have to ask, is it I, Lord? Am I capable of, of, of betraying you in the end? You have to be like the psalmist, like King David, who in Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24 says this, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Do you see all these exclamation parts? You know, search me, O God, know my heart. He's like screaming this out loud. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's a, and lead me in the way of everlasting. David is asking God to search his heart. Because he knows that his heart, he cannot examine his own heart. He might think he's great, but he's like, you know what? God, you're the one who knows me. We need to ask Jesus, is it I, Lord, today? You can't, like, a lot of you might be sitting here today, and you might feel good about yourself. Where are you at? You're like, you know, I, I think I'm good. I'm good. But, like, you might feel that way. But you need, you, we cannot be the ones that can examine our own hearts. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Guys, don't listen to your heart. Don't do what the Hallmark cards tell you to do. Don't do what, what, the, what the movies tell you. Don't listen to your heart because 
your heart is sick. Your heart is sick, right? It's deceitful. It doesn't know. You might, you know, like, it doesn't, I don't care if you feel faithful today. I don't care if you think you're doing well with God. Have you asked him how you're doing? That's what you need to do. We need to be, get into a habit of asking God, Lord, how am I doing? Right? Lord, how do I, how am I to you? How are, how are we? How is my faith in your eyes? Right? How is my life according to your will? Right? Maybe some of you have an overinflated view of how you're doing. You're like, man, I'm great. I'm so faithful. Like I, I don't, I don't do these things. I don't, I don't, I don't drink. I don't I do whatever. And you, you're feeling great about yourself. Have you asked God? If you, you're holding yourself to a standard that you see, God, if you ask God, he might tell you something different. He's like, you think you're doing great? Let me show you what's in your heart. But maybe some of you have the opposite problem. You are, you're always like, you think you suck. You're constantly judging yourself. You think that God hates you and that he's mad at you and he's disappointed in you. You need to stop and you need to ask Jesus, Lord, how do you see me? And he might be like, why are you beating yourself up? Don't you see I love you? Don't you see I died for you? So guys, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're like beating yourself up all the time, then you need to ask Jesus how you're really doing. And if you're like, you think you're doing amazing, you don't think there's a problem, you need to ask Jesus. You need to ask him, Lord, search my heart. Examine where I'm at. Don't rely on your conscience. Don't rely on your feelings. Don't don't wait until you start feeling bad. Just ask the Lord and put your heart up against his word. Ask him in prayer. Be like David in Psalm 139. Ask the Lord daily, search my heart, oh God. We need to open up ourselves and compare it not with our feelings, but with his truth and then with, with the family of God that he puts around us. And so each disciple, they asked themselves when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. They said, is it I, Lord? They were asking Jesus to tell them if they were going to betray him, right? And then Jesus answers in verse 23. He says, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with, with me will betray me. So he's saying like, he just, he's kind of reiterating, guys, one of, it's one of you in the room right now. You all ate some of this bread. It's one of y'all, Okay. It's not one of the seven. It's literally one of you, right? It's one of the 12 of us, one of the 12 of you in the room. And Saul, Jesus is echoing. The reason why he says this is because he's echoing Psalm 41, verse 9, where David is, is crying out in agony. He says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who I ate bread, has lifted his heel against me. The sense in this psalm is that David is under great distress because not only are his enemies trying to attack him, his closest friends whom he loves have betrayed him. And for some of you guys who have been betrayed or hurt by the ones that you care about the most, you know that there is very few things in the world that hurt and it cut as deeply as a betrayal of a close friend. And Jesus is, this is what's happening right now. One of you, my 12, whom I opened my life, my heart, I've chosen you. I've given you everything that I have. One of you are going to betray me. My close friend who, who shares bread with me. Back in those days, to share a meal with someone was a sign of friendship, a sign of covenant. And that means one of these 12 who have made promises and covenants to Jesus is going to turn around and break every single one. And it's going to break his heart. 
the one he called and loved. And if you look in John, what Jesus did right before he, he revealed this was he actually washed all of their feet. I washed your feet and you will betray me, right? One of the disciples, if one of the disciples can fall, then why would any of us be shocked when we see a Christian leader falling away? Guys, you know, like, I don't know if you guys, you know, have noticed on the news, but there's lots of Christian leaders who we, a lot of people looked up to who have been falling morally, have been falling away from faith, have been like giving up on, you know, like making the church look really bad, to be honest. But here's the thing. Even one of Jesus's 12 disciples ended up falling away and rejecting him. Why do we get so shocked when we see church leaders falling away? Our faith cannot be based on the followers of Jesus. Our faith, not even the disciples. You can't even base your faith on disciples. We can only base our faith on Jesus. Do not base your faith on my moral credibility, guys. Okay, don't base your faith on David's moral credibility or any of our moral credibility. We have to base it on Christ because even if a disciple can fall, any one of us can. And our faith has to be built on something greater than that, only on Christ. Verse 24, the son of man goes as it is, as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he, if he had not been born. Now, this is a scary thing to hear from the, from the lips of Jesus. Here, Jesus pronounces a punishment on the one who's going to betray him. He says, the one who is going to betray the son of man. And when Jesus uses the term son of man for himself, he's referring to himself as the Messiah from Daniel chapter seven. Jesus is reminding the betrayer that's in the room, he's like, hey, one of you guys in the room, I mean, Jesus knows exactly who he's talking to, but he's kind of like, generally, whoever it is that's going to betray me, <laughs> right? Like, woe to you, right? Woe to you because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be bad. If you, it's like he's reminding him, do you realize who it is that you're about to sell out? You're about to sell out the son of man. You're about to sell out the promised Messiah that God has given to Israel for the delivery. Like there is going to be such a great punishment for anyone who decides to betray the king. This was like Jesus giving Judas almost a final opportunity to repent. He's, it's like he's talking right to him. He's saying, I know what you're about to do and I know who you are. And, but do you know what you're about to do? Do you know that you're about to betray the son of man? And do you know that there's going to be great consequences to anyone who betrays the son of man, who walks away from the Messiah? Guys, it's not just for Judas. Jesus is saying this. He's saying this to anyone. Anyone who walks away and betrays the Christ. There's going to be wrath. In the Bible, God always sends a warning of punishment before he gives it. You know why? That's mercy. He always does this. If you, if you read the Old Testament, he will always send a prophet to, to tell people, guys, there's punishment. There's fire coming. You guys got to stop. And they always, God always does this. 
because he's trying to give people an opportunity to repent. Look at the book of Jonah. The whole book of Jonah is about how God is going to send Jonah to the Ninevites to tell them, Nin is, says God's going to destroy you guys in 40 days. And why does God do that? Not because he wants to destroy the Ninevites. It's because he wants the Ninevites to repent. And so he tells them ahead of time that wrath is coming. So this is Jesus telling the betrayer, wrath is coming if you do this. Why else would Jesus say this, right? He always gives every chance for people to repent. And he gives it to those even if they know that they're not going to take it. Jesus knew that, Ju that, Judah, Judah was not, that Judas was not going to take it. But he gave him every opportunity to turn around anyways because that is what God does. He gives us every opportunity to repent. And so here it was, Judas's chance to repent, to turn around, to come clean, to be like the one who betrays the son of man and better if he's not born. At this point, Judas could have fell on his knees and been like, woe is me, it's me. Like, I'm sorry. Like I, I took 30 pieces of silver. Like, please, I'm sorry, it was me. Please forget. He could have cried out for mercy. That opportunity is open for anyone who has sinned against God. God knows what we've done. And he gives us the opportunity to repent. But what does Judas do instead? Verse 25, Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? Man, that's cold. <laughs> Jesus looks right, or Judas looks right into Jesus's face and lies. Like he acts, he puts on a show. He's like, is it I, Rabbi? <laughs> you know, I don't know what his voice sounded like, but like, you know, he's just like, he just puts on this, you know, like this innocent, like, oh, who, me? Sort of thing, right? Like that's, there's a lot to unpack in that. That the fact that Judas can look at Jesus in the face, the son of God, who knows everything and just straight up pretend like, like, like he doesn't know. This tells us that Judas no longer believes that Jesus is the son of God because Peter declared in Matthew 16, you are the son of God. And either Judas doesn't believe that. And he thinks that he can actually fool Jesus by his acting abilities or he knows it and he's rejecting it anyways. He's like, I know, you know, it's me, but you know, like, I don't care. There's only two possibilities. He doesn't believe anymore or he knows and he's straight up like really rejecting Jesus in the face here. and He's not afraid of God. Right. Also, by what he said right here, is it I, Rabbi? Somewhere along the line, Jesus no longer became Lord. Look at that. All the others, look at the couple of verses before. When all the others asked this question, what did they say? They said, is it I, Lord? But guess who was the only one who didn't say that? Judas, who says, is it, is it I, Rabbi? Guys, I looked through the entire book of Matthew this week. And the only time, the only people who call Jesus teacher or rabbi are people who rejected him. People who either walked away from him or people who did, who are his enemies. Everyone else who, who calls out to Jesus calls him Lord, people who have faith. But here at the very end, Judas, his heart has turned 
where he can no longer call Jesus Lord, even though he might have been called a, a disciple. He might have done all the other things and did all the other things that disciples did. He does not call him Lord. This was revealing his heart. Jesus was just a good teacher to him, maybe. But somewhere in these last three years, Jesus went from Lord back to rabbi. Maybe he was never Lord in the first place. Guys, remember, this is a disciple. Just like the other 12, the other 11, Judas left everything he had to follow Jesus. Remember, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to leave everything. So at one point, Judas left everything to follow Jesus around, right? But Judas clearly was following him for the wrong reasons. He left all he had because he thought that Jesus was going to be the king. Jesus was the ticket to wealth and power. If I just gave up all of my stuff, one day I'm going to be one of the king's friends. I'm going to have a position in the royal court somewhere. He started to realize that Jesus was not going to be that kind of king. He started to realize, like, wait a minute, he's not seizing any power. He's not taking over the temple. He's not gathering an army. He's not even collecting money from anyone for the, the healings that he's doing. What, what's going on here? Right? Jesus is rejecting wealth. He's rejecting power. And somewhere along the line, he, it actually sounds like Jesus is planning to die. And he's preparing his followers to suffer and die with him. And Judas is like, wait a minute. I don't think I, I, don't think I want this anymore. I followed you, Jesus, because I thought you were going to become a king and that I was going to become, I was going to have wealth and power along with you. But this is not the Lord I want, right? He had a whole nother Messiah in mind. He had a different master this whole time. Matthew chapter six, verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Judas, his true God, was money. He, Jesus was simply a means to his true end, which was he thought eventually if he followed Jesus long enough, he would, he would get him some money. But when Jesus didn't give him what he wanted, Somewhere in these last three years, in his heart, he started to despise him. Because what it's, if you're not devoted to Jesus with all you have, you will end up despising him. How many times have you guys felt bitter against God? Have you started to despise God? Because you know why? He wasn't giving you what you wanted. The true desire of your heart was something else other than him. And when you wouldn't get that, you started to get bitter towards him. You'd be like, look, at, I, I'm sure like somewhere Judas was thinking, I wasted three years of my life following this guy. I gave him three years of the best that I had. I gave up all this stuff. And what, and what am I getting for it? I, I, I don't have any money. All of the disciples, we don't have anything. We don't have homes. We don't have servants. Like we're, we're like homeless. We don't even have a place to stay, right? All these guys, they, like Jesus, Judas was bitter. And then he was so mad. And when he saw a woman pour out a year's worth of wages of perfume over Jesus, it was more than he could take. He snapped. He was like, that's it. I can't, I can't handle this waste. I can't handle this anymore. It's time to cut my losses. And then he goes and says, what can I get? I wasted three years of my life. What can I get if I sell him? And the price of a slave. And to Judas at this point, he's like, fine, if that's all I can get, that's all he's worth to me, then, then I'll sell him 30 pieces of silver. 
he looks at Jesus, verse 25, is it I, Rabbi? And Jesus says, you have said so. A couple questions for us today. Why do you follow Jesus? What is your heart on why we follow him? You know, you can, you can follow him for years. You can hear all the right sermons, know all the right facts. You can even experience a lot of spiritual and like religious things. You can even experience like supernatural wonders and still at the end of the day, not be following Jesus for the right reasons. You're following him for miracles. You're following him for success or you're following for comfort or, or for something, but you're not following him for him. Like we can read this passage and we can shake our heads at Judas, but today we need to look at ourselves. We need to look at your heart and, at your, and ask yourself, like, Lord, is it me? You need to ask the Lord to, to examine your heart, just like David say, Lord, search me. At, the, at your heart level, is Jesus really your Lord? Or is he just a good teacher? Do you live your life for him? Or do, do you want him to live his life for you? Who's the Lord? Right? Is Jesus truly your end? Or do you want something else? If Think about this. If God doesn't fulfill your earthly desires, if he doesn't answer any of your prayers from now on, would you still follow him? Or is there another God in your life? What would make you walk away from, G from God? If there's something, like if I don't get this, or if these things happen to me, I'm going to walk away from God, then that means there is a presence of another God in your life. And it doesn't matter how beautifully you act or how spiritual you act, there is a Judas heart in you that needs to change today. And so today we need to spend some time asking the Lord to look into our hearts. We need to ask him. I don't care how, about, how, how you feel. You need to go to God today and ask him, Lord, look at my heart. Can I, in my, do I have it in me to betray you? And if I do, Lord, get it out of me. Change me. Guys, look into the mirror of his word today. Go into his presence today and ask the question, is it I? Is Jesus the treasure of your heart? If he's not, then today, please, guys, go and repent. Repent of any other God or any other thing that you want more than him and ask him for a new heart. Let's pray. For listening to the Han Vision Podcast, we hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.